Well, hello, everyone. Let's just pray together first. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms. As we go into Psalm 13 today, Lord, may we just take every, every verse, as small as this Psalm is, it is so important for every one of us today. May we really concentrate and, and use your spirit who will try to, as we allow him, make sense out of this. And Lord, it is so important that we make sense out of this particular psalm. And we give you all the praise and the glory for loving us so much that you instruct us on how to live life, live life well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true. And it's all that I need. All right. As you have your Bible laying open and you turn to Psalm 13, Listen to David. I don't think there is much that we experience that David hasn't. And so when he writes a psalm like this, it is so relatable because he's a human being, we're a human being. We have feelings, he has feelings. He has to deal with life, we have to deal with life. He falls short, we fall short. And this is where we see, we don't know exactly what he's been through, but We've, we see David at this point kind of falling into a, a funk. And he is, he is saying, in fact, he's questioning, he's crying out. And did you see how many, how long he said? How many times he said, how long? How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? See what I mean? He just seems to be experiencing a real low down time in his life. Now, I'm not saying that life isn't difficult. And that sometimes we even say, well, I, I deserve to feel down. After all, look what I'm experiencing right now. And even though, even though, yes, life is tough and some of our experiences and circumstances and situations can cause us to have a real jar in our spiritual walk with the Lord, I don't think that this is something that we need to fall into or at least stay into these kinds of down, discouraged, depressed, difficult times without seeing that there is hope. And I think this is the reason for this psalm. And David admits, he admits, how long, how long must I wait? Haven't you, Anne, asked that question? Haven't I asked that question? Of course. But the thing is, as we wait for the Lord to answer, as we wait for him to ride out this journey with his purpose and his plan, his reasoning. We have to wait. And sometimes I think in that waiting time, it's so easy. There's such a tendency to indulge in a murmuring spirit. And even when he says, how long, how long will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? I mean, what does that sound like to you? Doesn't that sound like somebody who is kind of feeling sorry for himself, kind of wallowing. That word just kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? 
We have a tendency to want to wallow. Our natural human nature is drawn to that when things are going, going tough. And unfortunately, it's so easy for these kinds of situations, when we fall into self-pity, to blind us. Blind us from what we know. And what do you and I know? We know that he will never, never leave us or forsake us. We also know that he will never, ever forget us. So often we faint under the simple waiting. We just don't want to wait. We, we want the answers now. Maybe even if we knew how long we were going to have to wait, we could wait better. But see, this is all part of the way the Lord stretches us, grows us, and matures us. So there is a verse in Isaiah. I found this verse in Isaiah, and it's in chapter 49, and it's verse 14, and it just kind of reiterates that God does not forget us. Now, Sometimes I just want to make sure that we understand something. That when we talk about our sin and when, when our sins are, are covered under the blood of Christ, the Bible says that he remembers our sins no more. Now to me, maybe it's, maybe it's just word semantics. But for me, I don't like to think that the Lord ever forgets. And so I prefer to say what scripture says, and he remembers our sin no more. Because so many times we think, well, he forgets. He forgets our sin. Well, I think that saying he remembers our sin no more is a matter of choice. He doesn't want to see our sin anymore. He puts us as back far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our sin from us. But you don't use the word forget. To me, a forget is kind of a negative word. And I never want to think that the Lord would ever forget anything because then would he forget me? Would he forget how to handle me? Would he forget my name? I mean, and that, of course, we know is not true. And so as I read this chapter from Isaiah 44 in this particular verse, just know that he would never forget you. He would never forget me. The Lord, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. That is what the Lord says. We can maybe question because it feels like he has forgotten us, that maybe he's abandoned us. But there in Isaiah 49, verse 15, it's as clear. Because if you know anything about love and a child or a grandchild, or I mean, you know that there is no way a mother could ever forget her child. And even though the way it's said, though she may forget, even though that is so impossible, if by chance she should, which is impossible, I can't stress that enough, 
The Lord even more so would never forget. He would never forget you and I. So when David is, is just saying these words, will you forget me forever? See, that's why I'm sure he's just in one of those times that he's just feeling so sorry for himself. How long will you hide your face from me? Well, we know he would never hide his face from us. So this is something I think we have to, when, we've, when we fall into this, when we catch ourselves feeling sorry for ourselves, or when we catch ourselves kind of staying stuck in this kind of attitude or mood, help go to the Holy Spirit. Instead of falling into ourselves, we need to go to the Lord and have his spirit, who we have been given as the most precious gift, when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, the gift he gave us with his Holy, was his Holy Spirit. And he wants you and I to go to him, to activate that Holy Spirit, to remind us what we know. And we know the words of Isaiah 49, 15, he will never forget us. So how we react how we react to our situations really kind of determines where we are with the Lord. How far do we sink into worry and despair? How hopeless do we feel? How much do we whine? But, you know, sometimes don't you feel that we feel so strong and these feelings have a tendency to even become reality. I mean, we get ourselves so worked up in our feelings that they just become automatic reality. Well, let's just talk about feelings for a minute because we need to balance feelings. I don't know how else to say it because feelings in themselves are not wrong. In fact, they're Feelings are God-given. He, he doesn't want us like robots. He, does, he wants us with feelings. But so often our feelings can almost get bigger than our faith. Sometimes we, we ignore, we ignore going to the Lord and we just get stuck in these feelings that then overpower us, overcome us, and we are ruled by them. So may this just kind of be a thought that, that as, as feelings are something that God has given us, they need to be balanced with when we start feeling. We need to take those feelings to the Lord and let him balance them. That Yes, it's okay to feel. But it's not okay to let those feelings get bigger than our trust in him. I hope that makes sense. Because this is such a good psalm reminding us how we, are need, how we need to stay balanced. That yes, we do live in this human body with natural tendencies. But yet as we are growing in the Lord and the temptation is to fall into these, these times of life that seem to just 
look like they're, they're hopeless, that we consciously go to the Lord and utilize the spirit that he's given us to remind us the truth of what we learned, that we don't stay stuck down and defeated and discouraged and in despair. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Yeah, just, just listen. Just, just listen to, to him. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? See, this is the one thing that David did right, even though, even though he sounds like he's, he's really, you know, he's really over, being overpowered with this despair feeling. The one thing that he did do right is that he went to the Lord about it. I mean, yes, he, he was honest and he poured out his heart and he thought I might as well just say it the way I feel because the Lord knows anyway. And that I really appreciate about him. Because see, that then allowed the Lord to work in his heart, in his mind, so that he then could get it all together by the end of this psalm. So may that too be a lesson. That even when you are falling into this kind of state, that you do what David did. Yes, pour out your heart to him. Take your feelings to him. Be open and honest. But then how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? See, can't you just, can't you just see you're, he's taken this all in all of this into himself. He's just letting it take over his life. I think he's going to be learning something from this psalm. Is that as we grow in the Lord, that as these feelings come, we take them quicker to the Lord. That we don't even let them set in for any length of time. That, we, that we're quicker and quicker at going to the Lord when this starts to take over when we feel the discouragement or disappointment or that down or even that feeling sorry for ourselves, The answer is not looking into ourself, but looking to the Lord. And I just pray that we're all learning how to do that quicker. We'll all be so much better off the, the more we learn to go to the Lord quicker than staying with all of this and just holding on to it within ourselves. Because when he says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? I think the Lord would just love to say to him right now, you don't have to at all. Come to me. Just come to me and trust. Trust that I am working even in this. And then when he says, and every day have sorrow in my heart, how long must I wrestle with this sorrow? Well, you know what? Circumstances don't just change just like that, even when you go to the Lord. But you know what happens? You and I change. It's like, it's like we, we stop wrestling. We, we start surrendering and letting the Lord do what he wants to do.
will work on us the way he knows it's best to work on us. He knows it so well. He knows exactly the buttons to push so that we grow and grow and grow so that we see less and less of ourselves even in the, in the down times of life. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now, David probably had literal enemies. We all have enemies in some, some stretch. But I think we can take that word enemy. It's, it's whatever you are battling right now. Because an enemy is some, something or someone that you usually have to battle with. And then when he says, how long will my enemy triumph over me? It seems like that that enemy, whether it be your feelings, whether it be your hopelessness, whether it be, I don't see any light at this end. I don't see how this could ever turn out for good. I, I just don't see any hope at all. I don't see any light at all. That is overwhelming sometimes. And the Lord doesn't want us to battle. He doesn't want us to feel like that the enemy is winning because the enemy never has to win. Because even though, again, like I said, our situation might not change, the enemy might be something you have to wake up and deal with every day. But you never want the enemy to overcome you because you and I have a greater power that lives within us that can beat that that force of human nature that wants to take you down. I mean, sometimes our enemy can, we can almost feel the devil's claws just grabbing us deeper and deeper, and we think we just cannot resist the temptation or the down feeling. But we can. That's a lie he wants us to believe. But see, David is expressing this because, see, he's not in a good place right now. All he sees is his problem. All he dwells on right now is his problem. And there's such a danger when we stay dwelling on the problem and we forget to turn our eyes to the solution. Look at verse 3. Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. I mean, you can, you, can look, you can look at that in a couple of ways. You can look at this as, again, a part of a verse that, that he's kind of, you know, just almost bossing the Lord. I mean, he's almost saying to him, you know, hear me, look at me. Answer me, oh Lord my God. You know, there again, we have a tendency to expect God to answer the way we want. Hear me. We forget that, of course, He hears you. He hears everything, He sees everything. Answer me. He will answer every prayer. However, his answer might not be the one you and I want. But when you are blinded and you are so caught up in yourself, 
All you want is for him to fix it and fix it now and fix it the way I want. You can almost see that, that David, he is just, just kind of down in three areas. I think he's down in his relationship with God. I think he, he kind of, maybe he didn't do his Bible study for a day or two. And remember how that goes. One day away from the Lord, he knows. Two days, you do. Three days, everybody does. See, without that power and strength, without that clinging to God's word and hearing his spirit, we fall to our natural human tendencies. So he's kind of he's in a state in his relationship with the Lord. He's, he's not happy with himself either. And that's another thing when you're not, when you really don't see yourself as, I'm a child of the king. When you don't see yourself as, I'm the one that he died for. When you don't see your worth, because again, you've been blinded, and the Holy Spirit cannot keep reminding you, because you have plugged your ears to the truth that you know you're just going to sulk. You are not in a good area with yourself. And then David's caught up, like I just said a minute ago. He's caught up in his problem, his enemy, what or who that is. He just is concentrating on the problem. That's all he can see right now. Or... Or is he starting to think, you know what, this is a bad place to be. This is getting me nowhere. This is just demolishing my day. It's just wrecked my mood. You know, maybe by him saying, look at me and answer, Oh, Lord, my God, maybe he's just so desperate because he says, I don't like feeling like this. I, I have done this. I realize that I pushed you away. You've never left me, but in all of my self-wallowing, I have pushed you away. So that's why I feel like you've forgotten me. That's why I feel that you have hidden your face from me. And he just does not like that feeling because he knows what it's like to be in a right relationship, a right walk with the Lord. <laughs> and this isn't it. So then he says, give light to my eyes. Enlighten me. I'm desperate. I, I don't like this. Enlighten my eyes. Because if something doesn't change here, I will sleep in death. I mean, that's, pr that's pretty down, isn't it? Then I just give up. Then I just throw in the towel. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. That's sad, isn't it? That's really sad. 
When you think, if, if my eyes are not enlightened, if I don't get off this, this path that is just pulling me away from the Lord and I'm just seeing darker and darker, I'm just sinking farther and farther. So if, if, I, don't, if I don't change here, if I don't see clear again, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome. I, I always kind of picture when I start to feel life overwhelming me. And I can just feel these tendencies, kind of like when Martha felt, remember? Martha, Martha, when she went to the Lord and started bossing him. Come on, get Mary to get up and help me. When we start feeling those feelings, we start feeling overwhelmed. I kind of picture the devil standing back and just kind of with that smirk on his face, clapping his hands like, good, I got her where I want her. And that infuriates me. So when he says, if I don't change, if I don't, if I don't have my eyes enlightened, and that word enlightened, I need, I need to, I need to have have some kind of light turned on. I need to hear. And did you do you remember how how Paul says these words in Ephesians 1, starting with verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incarnation comparably great power for us who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength. David is saying, I want that, and if I don't get straightened around, then I will sleep in death. My enemy will clap his hands, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. It beats you. Life now beats you. If they, if you don't, if you don't seek out for for a change and enlightenment, life will beat you. I mean that is pretty powerful there. And I'll tell you, there there's nothing worse than thinking that you're that you're um, full, like he says, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. When, when not only the devil, but when somebody else rejoices, it's like they're, they're glad to see that you failed. Maybe there's someone who's on the borderline of accepting Jesus, and they've been watching you. And if they see you without enlightenment in your eyes and you take the second choice and say, I'm staying like this, that person will take one look at you and I and say, no thanks. If that's what it looks like, then I can do that on my own. 
And then there's verse 5. There he is, verse 5. You can stay living in your hopeless, defeated, down state. I mean, what a horrible way to live, really, when we know better, when we know there's another choice. And I am so glad that as we do these little six verses, David is teaching us a monumental life lesson. He's saying, you can, this is life. You can't help it. You can't help it that there's good days and there's bad days. And it's easy to live in the good days when, we're, when everything is going our own way. But when life throws us a curve, like I said before, how we act in those times really re- reflect our heart condition and how our walk is with the Lord. But look at the other choice. But that, that just, oh man, verse 5, it, it just kind of lifted my spirits because it's like David said, but I'm not going there. I refuse to go there. It's like maybe he looked back and said, you know what, I've done this before and that just got me into a horrible state. And I've learned and so I am not making that mistake again. I'm going to turn from myself. Instead, I will trust in your unfailing love. I refuse to let life beat me. When I have this power, that, that amazing power, the Christ power, that can do immeasurably more than what I could ever imagine or think. He's at work in me. And when I make a choice in life's tough times, to not sink into myself, but choose to trust in his unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Do you know that David said that too in Psalm 51 after his sin with Bathsheba and the whole not, not being obedient to God was the root sin. But, but when, when he had to be made aware of his sin, how, how he just fell to his knees and he realized his sin and he cried out to the Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He says that in this psalm too. My heart rejoices. You know, again, we might not be happy in our circumstances. But the fact that we have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, that we are called his child, that there isn't anything or anyone that can separate us from his love.
our heart, even despite what we're going through, should bring us to the point of rejoicing because of our salvation. We are not lost. We are not doomed. We are not hopeless. And then look, look, as our joy returns, look how our song comes back. All of a sudden, we, I don't think that he felt like singing in those first couple of verses, do you? And it's like now he made that choice to turn his eyes from his problem and instead focus them on the solution. Capital S. I will sing to the Lord, for he is good to me. In your questions, if you did them, I, I ended the 10th question by saying, sum up this psalm in one sentence. Did you do that? Could you take from the first verse through the sixth verse, how could you sum that up in one sentence? I'll just tell you mine. And it's like this sentence was talking to myself, so my sentence went like this. Self, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And then, of course, the song came to my mind. But that was myself. That was my sins. Self, turn, choose to turn your eyes upon Jesus. And then as the rest of the song goes, and then the things of this world, everything, everything, the things of this world, everything that I'm going through all life, the things of life, we can change that word, thinks of life grow strangely dim when we compare to the light, the enlightenment of his glory and his grace. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I proved you o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace. Oh, for grace. To be able to trust you more. Especially in the hardest times of life. Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you taught David so that he in turn can teach us. Father, may we take this psalm to heart so that the Holy Spirit can remind us of what we've learned from Psalm 13 today. In Jesus' name, amen.